We prepare for the first big debate between Trump and Biden. Trump nominates Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court. Democrats wail and gnash their teeth. And the New York Times puts out a late hit on Trump's taxes. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. You have a right to privacy? Go protect it right now at expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news of the day. And since I missed yesterday, because it was Yom Kippur, there's plenty of news to go over. Many things happening in the world. But first, let us talk about the fact that you need to be smart right now in this business climate. You need to save time. You need to save money. You need to not go to the post office. Instead, you need to head on over to stamps.com. Listen, the post office does a lot of great things, but stamps.com allows you to do all of those great things without going to the post office. Thousands of small business owners have discovered the benefits of stamps.com in recent months. They've been able to keep their businesses running and avoid the crowds at the post office all from their own computers. With stamps.com, you can print postage on demand. You can avoid going to the post office and you'll save money with discounted rates that you can't even get at the post office. Stamps.com offers UPS services, for example, with discounts up to 62%, no residential surcharges. We've been using Stamps.com here at Daily Wire since 2017, which is why we are a highly profitable, large media company. Stamps.com brings all the mailing and shipping services you need directly to your computer. You can use that computer to print official US postage 24-7, any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Once your mail is ready, you leave it for the mail carrier, schedule a pickup, drop it off in a mailbox. It is that simple. And with stamps.com, again, you get those great discounts, five cents off every stamp, up to 62% off USPS and UPS shipping rates. Right now, my listeners get a very special offer. It includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitment. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in Shapiro. That is stamps.com. Enter promo code Shapiro. Okay, so tonight is the big first debate. Huge, awesome, magnificent. Only one problem. Really, there's a problem. 70% of Americans say the debates make no difference to them. So 30% of Americans say that the debates make some difference to them. So what do the expectations need to be for each side? Well, the problem for President Trump is that Trump has set the expectations so low for Biden that basically all Biden has to do is not obviously have a needle hanging out of his arm and stay alive. Those are literally the only two things that Biden has to do. He needs to not have a complete physical or mental collapse on the stage and He needs to be not caught using performance-enhancing drugs. Those are the standards that Trump has set. And frankly, that's kind of Trump's fault. One of the keys to politics is lowering your own expectations and heightening expectations for the other side. So what you really should be doing in the lead-up to a debate is talking about how incredible the other guy is at debate. And you should be talking about how Joe Biden is a pro. He's been doing this for years. I'm a newbie. He's going to do amazing. I think he's really with it. And then he goes in and he disappoints. When you set the expectation at Joe Biden is dead, And if he is not dead, it's because he is using some sort of cocaine. Well, then the standards are really, really low. So that means that all Biden basically has to do to be be declared the winner is stay somewhat coherent, maybe for the first hour of the debate, because nobody is going to watch both hours. This is the dirty secret also, is that most people tend to tune out over the course of the debates. The first 15, 20 minutes makes the biggest difference in the debate. And you can expect that there will be a lot of rock'em, sock'em robots in those moments, which we'll discuss in just a second. Meanwhile, the expectations for Trump are weightier, right? Trump actually has to somehow swivel opinion. Now, what he has been good at in debate historically is tearing down his opposition, right? This is what he's been best at. He he goes on attack. He throws the kitchen sink. He says he'll arrest Hillary in open debate. If he's made president, didn't happen, but a a boy can dream. He he suggested that he was was going to basically physically beat down some of his Republican opponents (laughs) in debates. And, And you can expect that that sort of thing will happen from Trump. But the question is, what can he do that really shifts opinions about Biden? And the answer is that unless Biden himself collapses, this debate is really in Biden's hands. It is not in Trump's hands. Trump is going to do all of the same things he normally does. And the question is, can Biden handle it? 
Can Biden handle the fact that Trump is the kid you didn't want to fight in high school? Not because the kid was a great fighter, but because the kid was absolutely out of his mind. There's always one of these kids in high school. There's a kid in my high school. His name was Michael. And Michael was a nut. Okay, like a complete crazy person. And he wasn't the biggest dude. He's kind of small and wiry. But if you got into a fight with him, you never knew if he was just going to pull out a switchblade and try to cut off your face. Right? I mean, that, that's, that's Trump in debate. You don't want to be in a debate with him mainly because he is unexpected. Now, I think that Biden's tactic is going is to be to be very aggressive with Trump at the beginning and try and throw Trump off his game. I think that Trump's tactic is going to be to be very aggressive with Biden at the very beginning and try to throw Biden off his game. And I think in reality, what it's going to look like is exactly what I've said for literally two years at this point. It's going to be Chewbacca versus the Swedish chef. It's just going to be a bunch of nonsense that they each spout at each other. It's going to be. So pick your fighter. Is it Chewbacca or the Swedish chef? Nary three words of English will be spoken in this entire debate. How much intellectual policy will be discussed in this debate? Almost zero. Instead, what you're going to get is Joe Biden implying that Trump killed 200,000 people of COVID and also that Trump is the worst person in the entire world. And from Trump, you're going to get that Joe Biden is senile, maybe on performance enhancing drugs and corrupt, right? I just saved you two hours of your time. So tonight you can watch Cobra Kai instead of watching the debate and then show up tomorrow and sum it up all for you. How do I know this is what the debate is going to be like? Because we got the preview over the weekend. So Joe Biden over the weekend did an interview in which he suggested that Trump was like Joseph Goebbels, which is one hell of a supposition. Trump is a lot of things, but comparing him to the Nazis, I think probably not on that. And put aside the fact that he's the most pro-Israel president in American history, it seems like you should just generally make a non-habit of citing Joseph Goebbels as in like the Nazi propagandist in conjunction with the president of the United States. Here was Joe Biden doing that over the weekend. I'm not sure anybody hadn't already made up their mind there for Trump believes, but who knows? But, but that's, you know, he's sort of like Goebbels. You say the lie long enough, keep repeating, repeating, repeating. It becomes common knowledge. Okay, Stephanie Rule tried to humor Biden through this, through this particular interview on MSNBC. You can see her kind of smiling through that. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you think that merits a follow-up at some point? Like if you're the media member that, that he compares the sitting president of the United States to the Nazi propagandist, wouldn't you think that might merit some sort of follow-up? Not from MSNBC. Okay, and then, by the way, how, how biased are the media? And this this is going to play into the debate, too, because, of course, Chris Wallace, who I think will be a good moderator, you know, he, he's been good in the past. He's not Candy Crowley. I don't think he's going to jump in necessarily and start really shaping the contours of the debate the way that Crowley did in 2012 when she, when she fact-checked Romney and got it absolutely wrong. And by the way, apparently must have leaked to Barack Obama that she had certain documentation in her pocket. I mean, in the middle of the debate in 2012, if you remember back eight years, Barack Obama was debating Romney. And Romney said a thing, and it was a true thing. And Obama literally said to Candy Crowley, in your pocket, isn't there some documentation showing he's wrong? I mean, it was pretty incredible. I don't think you're going to get that from Chris Wallace. However, the media spin afterward is going to be that if Biden remains alive, that he won. How in the tank are the media for Biden? Okay, in the middle of the Stephanie Rule interview, he literally gets lost in the middle of the interview, and Stephanie Rule starts guiding him out. And she's like, put your hand on my shoulder, this time with my permission, Joe, and I will guide you out of these wilds. The Paycheck Protection Act, you know, one percent of the money's gone out. One percent, one percent of the uh, that's not the paycheck, the 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 um, uh, the uh, the bill for small for major for small businesses. Okay, so this is great. We're going to have senile Sam the Eagle taking on President Trump's Chewbacca. And that's the angle. Right. So Biden is just going to call Trump a liar. He's going to suggest he's responsible for mass death, for mass carnage. And Trump's response is going to be you're a senile old man. 
So it'll be entertaining. Is it going to change anybody's mind? Not unless one of the two candidates does it to themselves. Now, the good news for Trump is it's going to be very difficult for anybody to change a perception of Trump. Whatever you think about Trump, you've thought about Trump for a very long time. Nobody is changing their mind on Trump. Really, the, the upside for Biden is that he doesn't have to do very much. The downside for Biden is that if he doesn't do it, it's going to be devastating for him. Because again, all the opinions are in on Trump. They're not all in on Biden yet because he's been able to ride this thing out without doing really any serious sort of media. Kamala Harris has avoided every... She has not done a single press gaggle since she was nominated vice president, which is insane. Joe Biden in four of the last seven days has called a lid, meaning he's done zero media events in four of the last seven days. That's not debate prep. That's because he understands that if he stays away from the cameras and Trump is the center of attention, then Trump is in trouble. So now Trump makes Biden the center of attention. And the question is, can Joe stand up to it? We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that it's been a very, very difficult year. I mean, when's the last time somebody saw you smile who's not a member of your immediate family? It's probably been a while because you got a mask over that grill. Well, one day you're going to remove that mask and you want those teeth to look good. Wouldn't it be a surprise for folks if suddenly those crooked teeth were straight and beautiful? Well, good news. You can make this happen right now over at Candid. Candid Clear Aligners. They are comfortable, removable, practically invisible, unlike wire braces. So you can transform that smile without anybody noticing. Plus, your treatment is prescribed and monitored remotely by a licensed orthodontist who's an expert in tooth movement. It's all done from the comfort and convenience of your own home. Candid only works with orthodontists, never general dentists like other companies. Plus, your supervising orthodontist will be with you every step of the way. With Candid, your treatment includes remote monitoring by the same orthodontist who created your plan. So you never have to wonder how you're doing. You'll always know, which I love. The average candid treatment. That'll be just six months, and you'll start seeing results way before then. It costs thousands of dollars less than braces. Start straightening those teeth today. Right now, all my listeners can save $75 on Candid's starter kit. Go to candidco.com slash Shapiro. Use code Shapiro. That is candidco.com slash Shapiro. Code Shapiro. Take advantage of this limited time offer. Save 75 bucks on your starter kit. Candidco.com slash Shapiro. Code Shapiro. Go check them out right now. Okay, so Trump, for his part, says he's looking forward to the debate. Now, what we've been hearing over and over is that Trump didn't actually prep for this thing, which is a huge mistake. It is a big, big, big mistake because Biden does have the capacity still to memorize a couple of facts and figures. He showed this in his little CNN interview, his little CNN town hall. He'll have a few things memorized. Trump's usual ability in debate is to stick and move. And also, he really, really requires a crowd. Trump is a showman. He's a stand-up comedian. The crowd really helps him. The fact there will be no crowd here means that he's not going to get a response for him. So if he says something funny, it could obviously fall flat. In any case, Trump says he's looking forward to the debate tonight. We look forward to seeing him in the debate. He's got a lot more experience. He's got 47 years. I've got three and a half years. So we'll see. But he's got 47 years of experience. You know, I always sort of smile when he said, like, we should have done this. We should have done that. We should have all these things, right? I said, why didn't you do them? He's been there for, and it's not like he left 20 years ago, 47 years, and he left three and a half years ago, right? So why the hell didn't you do him? Now he went, it's all these great ideas. That's a real beauty. Okay, so this actually is a really good angle for Trump. The problem, as always, with the Trump campaign is that the message is split. If his message had been for months that Biden's been there for 47 years, he did none of the things he is talking about doing. He's been incompetent every step of the way. The only reason that he's famous is because Barack Obama plucked him from presidential failure and obscurity and decided to make him VP specifically because he was kind of the go-along to get-along chummy fellow from the Senate. That's a good angle. The problem is that Trump splits his message, as always. So over the weekend, Trump also said that Biden was taking performance-enhancing drugs. Again, that lowers expectations because once you say that Biden is taking performance-enhancing drugs, basically, unless the man keels over on the stage completely, people are just going to declare that he surpassed expectations. 
If you look at some of those debates, I said there's no way he can continue. He can't continue. Then all of a sudden he debated crazy Bernie Sanders. And you know what? The truth is he was he was okay. And I said, how did he go from there with those horrible performances to where he was okay? And I always joke, but you know, it is true. He was no Winston Churchill in debating, but he was fine. And people say he was on performance enhancing drugs. A lot of people have said that. A lot of people have written that. This morning, Rudy Giuliani went on Fox and Friends and suggested that Biden was on Adderall. Okay, here's the thing. If Biden does well enough that you have to suggest that he's on performance enhancing drugs, you lose because there is no drug testing. Plus, the idea of Joe Biden on serious performance enhancing drugs, like he's taking the steroids. I mean, it will be, all of this will be amusing. I mean, it'll be good TV. Right? Let's say that Biden is doing well halfway through and, and Trump's like, why don't you take a drug test, Joe? Are you using the cream and the clear and the clear and the cream? And Biden's like, I was a jam. Well, I mean, again, good TV. No one's going to know what the hell is going on tonight. So watch it for the entertainment value. Unless there is some sort of epic Biden collapse, I don't think it's going to make much of a difference because it's hard to change opinions about Trump. It's not super easy to change opinions about Biden because the expectations have been so wildly lowered. Okay, with all of that said, the two big topics that will certainly come up tonight are Amy Coney Barrett, the presidential nominee to fill the RBG seat, which that'll be a good topic for Trump, a very good topic for Trump, especially because Joe Biden has been attempting to avoid all responsibility for talking about packing the court and Trump's taxes. That will come up because the media decided to lay out a hit on Trump two days before the debate. It seemed pretty obvious, given how quickly the Biden campaign started turning around ads, that they had some sort of prior knowledge of this. But in any case, we'll get to that in one second. First, let us talk about the fact that there are cases, we are seeing them every day now, where there is somebody who has to use a gun in self-defense, and then the cops come and arrest the person who had to use the gun in self-defense. And frankly, that's not the cop's fault. I mean, very often, local regulations mean that they have to pick the person up Here's the bottom line. You have to know your rights. You have to know how to use a gun in self-defense. You have to not only be able to protect yourself, but also comply with the law. And this is why you need the help of the folks over at the U.S. Concealed Carry Association. Right now, you can take a simple and powerful journey to firearms and self-defense confidence. It's called the Complete Concealed Carry and Family Defense Guide from the USCCA. It is 100% free. You will learn how to detect attackers before they see you, how to survive a mass shooting, the safest and most dangerous places to sit in a restaurant, how to responsibly own and store a gun, even if you have little kids, and a whole lot more. It's 164 pages. It comes with a bonus audio version, so you can listen whenever you want. Just text Ben to 87222. You'll get instant access and a chance to win a thousand bucks, so you can buy a gun to protect your family today. Text Ben to 87222. I own firearms. I want to be able to protect my family, and I want to know how to use them properly, and that is why I trust the USCCA. You should, too. When you go register with them by texting Ben to 87222, you get a free copy of the Complete Concealed Carry and Family Defense Guide. Go check them out right now. Text Ben to 87222. Okay, so the two, two of the big topics that are going to come up tonight, obviously COVID is going to come up tonight and Trump is going to have to defend his COVID record. And when it comes to COVID, Trump's case basically should be that he gave all of the states exactly what they needed, that Biden has not made a single proposal that is different from anything Trump has already said, that Biden was holding rallies into early March and all of the rest. And that right now, Trump is intent on opening up the country while Biden has said he will shut it back down. So I think Trump can defend himself on the COVID stuff. The big problem for Trump is that Biden is going to come at him and say, you were purposely downplaying it to the American public. You said you were downplaying it. Trump has said that he was both downplaying it and upplaying it. Biden's theme tonight is that Trump is dishonest. And Trump's theme tonight is going to be that Biden is senile and incompetent. Those are going to be the, the themes of the evening. And so let's take those themes to the to the two key topics that are not COVID related tonight. One is the filling of the seat held 
most lately by Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I hesitate to call it RBG seat because it is not RBG seat. It is nobody's seat. It is a Supreme Court seat that was filled by RBG. Just like it is not Trump's Oval Office, it is the Oval Office and Trump occupies it. That seat does not belong to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, which is why it's so unbelievably silly when you hear these ridiculous people suggesting that RBG's dying wish is ought to be honored and that her seat ought to be filled by somebody that she selects. This is something Chuck Schumer continues to push, uh, push over the weekend. Judge Ginsburg had a dying wish that the next president choose. As the American people learn of Judge Barrett's views, they're going, she is going to become very unpopular with average Americans. And as that unpopularity rises, I hope they will put pressure on their Republican senators to adhere to Justice Ginsburg's dying wish and let the next president decide. Okay, there is no dying wish provision in the Constitution of the United States. As my friend Bridget Fetessy has said, filling a Supreme Court seat is not a Make-A-Wish Foundation kind of thing. You don't get to decide exactly how that seat is going to be filled. That is not how any of this works. It's a very stupid point that people continue to press forward as though this is, quote unquote, RBG seat. It is not RBG seat in the same sense that, again, the Oval Office is not Trump's office. That's not the way any of that works. Okay, but the Democrats continue to push forward against Amy Coney Barrett. The problem is that Amy Coney Barrett happens to be a fantastic nominee. And people from both sides of the aisle know that she's a fantastic nominee. Noah Feldman, who teaches at Harvard Law School and is very much on the left. You'll remember that Noah Feldman testified on behalf of the impeachment inquiry into President Trump, suggesting that he should, in fact, be impeached over his activities with regard to Ukraine. He came out, he wrote a column, he said she's very well qualified for the Supreme Court. There are a bunch of folks left, right, and center who have come out and said that she is qualified for the Supreme Court. So over the weekend, Trump did what he does best. He provided a very good event at which he introduced Amy Coney Barrett. Here was what Amy Coney Barrett had to say. I am so grateful to you and the First Lady, to the Vice President and the Second Lady, and to so many others here for your kindness on this rather overwhelming occasion. I fully understand that this is a momentous decision for a president. And if the Senate does me the honor of confirming me, I pledge to discharge the responsibilities of this job to the very best of my ability. I love the United States, and I love the United States Constitution. Okay, she continued along these lines, and she pointed out her own political philosophy. She said, judges are not policymakers. It is their job to interpret the law. It is not to make the law, which, of course, is the key to both textualism and originalism. Judges are a different body than the legislature. This is why she is a good nominee and a good judge. I clerked for Justice Scalia more than 20 years ago, but the lessons I learned still resonate. His judicial philosophy is mine, too. A judge must apply the law as written. Judges are not policymakers, and they must be resolute in setting aside any policy views they might hold. Okay, again, this is the key to, to a good judge. Under any circumstances, a judge's job is to interpret the law. It is not to make the law. So they know that they can't attack her on her basic her basic judicial philosophy because it's the same philosophy that animates Thomas and Scalia and Alito. And there are variations within that sort of rubric, but those variations are fairly well established. So instead, they've decided to go after Amy Coney Barrett on a personal level. So Amy Coney Barrett has seven children. Two of them are adopted and are from Haiti. She is by all accounts an excellent mother. She certainly is not a subjugated woman. She's being nominated for the Supreme Court. Here is Amy Coney Barrett explaining that her children are her greatest joy. Our children obviously make our life very full. While I am a judge, I'm better known back home as a room parent, carpool driver, and birthday party planner. 
When schools went remote last spring, I tried on another hat. Jesse and I became co-principals of the Barrett eLearning Academy. And yes, the list of enrolled students was a very long one. Our children are my greatest joy, even though they deprive me of any reasonable amount of sleep. So the, the good news about Amy Coney Barrett's nomination is not just that she will be a very good justice, in my opinion, but also that she is just a magnet for the hatred of the left. It's insane. You knew it was coming, right? Because she's a religious Catholic and because she has seven kids, including two adopted from Haiti, you knew the left was going to lose their mind over the fact that this is a religious person. Because the dirty little secret is, for many on the left, people who are religious are evil. People who are religious are benighted morons who cannot be let near the levers of power. Anybody who is religious is a theocrat by nature. It cannot be that you're a religious person who believes in the strictures of the American Constitution, that you believe in a very solid and very rich social fabric that exists outside of government, but you believe that government's job is not to intervene in the lives of Americans. You can't believe that. If you're a religious person, you must be a simpleton. Expressing this view most clearly was the creator of Religulous, an extraordinarily simplistic documentary on the stupidity of religion. Here was Bill Maher over the weekend calling Amy Coney Barrett an effing nut. Okay, now, you just saw her. Does she sound like a nut to you? Again, this is a woman who taught law at University of Notre Dame. She clerked for Justice Scalia. She's been on the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. Does she sound like a nut to you? Like, really? But here is, here is Mar, because she's religious. She's a nut. That's the way this works. Apparently, the pick is going to be this Omi, Omi, Amy Comey. <laughs> we'll all be saying this name a lot, I'm sure, because she's a nut. Religion. I was right about that one, too. Amy, <laughs> sorry, but Amy Comey Barrett, Catholic, really Catholic. I mean, really, really Catholic, like speaking in tongues. Like she doesn't believe in condoms, which is what she has in common with Trump, because he doesn't either. OK, so um, just just a quick point. Um, I believe that the, the speaking in tongues thing, I'm pretty sure that that actually is Pentecostals. Am I, am I right about that? I, I don't believe that that has anything to do with Catholicism. But in any case. Bill Maher, you know, this this is the attack, right? The line of attack on Amy Coney Barrett is that she is too religious and she's very, very bad. In order to promulgate that attack, all they have to do is just ignore all the facts about Amy Coney Barrett. So there's a piece in New York, in The New Yorker today by Jeffrey Tubin suggesting that she is going to be an anti-abortion extremist because she is religious. The only reason that she's being nominated is because she wants to get rid of abortion because she is, in fact, a Catholic nut job. And this is the, the basic idea here. Now, let's be clear about this. Roe versus Wade is a terrible case. There are people left, right, and center who acknowledge that Roe versus Wade is a poorly reasoned decision that has nothing to do with the Constitution of the United States. The truth is Roe versus Wade is not going to be overturned by Amy Coney Barrett or nearly anybody else. Instead, they may pair back Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which is the undue burden standard, which is, again, a very, very silly standard. But in any case, the anti-religious nature of what's going on right now is very clear to everyone. And that is a good thing for Trump, politically speaking. Because there are a lot of Catholics in Michigan. There are a lot of Catholics in Pennsylvania. There are a lot of Catholics in Wisconsin. These are three fairly heavily Catholic states. And he needs at least one of those three states right now. Right now, if I'm looking at the polling data in these various battleground states, Trump is basically running dead even inside the margin of error with Biden in Florida. And he is running about five points down in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, according to the latest polling averages. He's running about even in North Carolina, and he's running slightly down in Arizona. In order for Trump to replicate the map, he needs to win Arizona, and then he needs to pick up one of those other three states. The attacks on religion that are being levied by the Democrats against Amy Coney Barrett could be helpful in that. And the media are falling right into the trap. So that is a good political news for Trump. We'll get to that in just one second. First, 
let's talk about the fact that you need to encrypt your data. There are many reasons to encrypt your data when you're online. One, there are hackers who are looking for that data. They're going to make money off of it. Two, ISPs gather that data and then they monetize that data off of your back. It belongs to you. Why should you just hand that data to ISPs who may not agree with you ideologically and who may use that data to target you in malicious ways or may get hacked themselves? This is why I use ExpressVPN to stay secure online. It's hard to know whether your device or network is vulnerable. If you ever use Wi-Fi at a hotel or shopping mall, you're sending data over an open network. That means no encryption at all. The best way to ensure all your data is encrypted and can't be read by hackers is to use ExpressVPN. Just download the ExpressVPN app on your computer or smartphone, tap one button, secure 100% of your network data, and then use the internet the way you normally would. ExpressVPN is incredibly reliable. It's the fastest VPN service I've tried. They're also rated the world's number one VPN provider by review sites like TechRadar and CNET. If you want the best in online security and privacy protection, head on over to expressvpn.com slash Ben for three extra months free with a one-year package. Protect your internet today with a VPN I trust to keep my data safe. Go to expressvpn.com slash Ben to get started. I use ExpressVPN. You should too. Expressvpn.com slash Ben to get started. Okay, so the attacks on Amy Coney Barrett have come from basically a couple angles and they're both personal. One is the religious angle. So you've seen the Associated Press run a ridiculous story targeting a group to which Barrett belongs called People of Praise. People of Praise is basically just a religious get-together group. By the way, it's non-ecumenical, meaning that it is not a purely Catholic group. The AP ran a long story about the evils of the uh, of this People of Praise group, and they used specifically the descriptions of a woman named Coral Anika Thiel to talk about how evil this group was. There's only one problem, according to Kevin Daly over at The Federalist. This woman has a track record of hyperpartisan online posting, far-fetched lawsuits, and fantastic grievance peddling that cast doubt on her credibility. A review of this woman's writings, and again, she was used as the chief source in the attacks against people of praise. A review of her writings, litigation history, and social media footprint shows Thiel has accused her own children, her parents, her therapists, and her attorneys of abuse and neglect while waging a quixotic legal crusade against them since the late 1990s. Her ex-husband, Vaughn Martin Warner, obtained a defamation judgment against her in 2014. So once again, the media jumped on the story, which is that people of praise is evil and terrible, and also suggested things that are just patently false about people of praise, which again is just basically a social group for Catholics and some Protestants to get together and try to do good in their community. There are a couple of things where they have jumped specifically on them. One is that women called themselves handmaids in this group until a couple of years ago when the handmaid's tale became like a big cultural phenomenon. The reason they were called handmaids is not because, in fact, they were involved in some sort of bizarre sex cult a la the handmaid's tale. It's because in the New Testament, Mary is described as a handmaiden for God, right? So the idea was that women are supposed to be handmaidens for God in the Catholic view. So that is fairly uncontroversial. Also, apparently, it is deeply controversial to say that men ought to be the head of their household because, biblically speaking, it talks about a man being the head of the household. Now, for those who are non-religious, let me explain. When it says that a man is the head of a household, so in, in Judaism, the head of the household, the man is called the Balhabite, right? Which literally means the master of the house. That doesn't mean that the master of the house is the unparalleled ruler of the household. In fact, if you read the Bible, what you'll see is that women are very often in control of the household. Sarah is much more in control of the household than Abraham ever is. Okay, well, all it means that you're the master of the household is that you are held responsible for what happens in the household. That's all that means. Okay, it doesn't mean that every single decision that gets made is made without the input of your wife. First of all, any husband who does that will be divorced within five minutes or will be in a deeply unhappy marriage. But for non-religious people, they see master of the house and they think, oh, well, that means that he's enslaving his wife and he's enslaving his children and they're his property. No, it means that you are held responsible for what happens in your household. And as the person held responsible, that means you have a higher degree of responsibility for what happens inside your household. End of story. That's all that means. It also means that in issues of justice with kids, typically men tend to be the court of final appeal. 
which every single human being knows, right? If you've ever lived in a household with a father and a mother, they hold very different roles in the household, generally speaking. And not true in every single case, but on average, the disciplinarian in the house is dad. Because you've got a teenage boy who's 13 years old and he's making trouble and mom gets mad. Guess what a 13-year-old boy does? Unfortunately, they typically laugh. And then mom says, wait till dad gets home. So when the Bible talks about the head of the household being a man, it doesn't mean women are disregarded or ought to be disregarded. And all of this in pursuit of a narrative that Amy Coney Barrett is pregnant and in the kitchen. She's literally on the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals and now is going to be on the Supreme Court of the United States. So I don't know how you even square that circle, but Democrats will do their best. The other angle that I saw emerging over the weekend, and this one is just insane. I think Democrats will be smart enough to stay away from this, but not the radicals in their own party. So Ibram X. Kendi, who's just a disgusting human being. I mean, Ibram X. Kendi's view of anti-racism, which I've talked about extensively on the program, is itself racist as well as fascist. This is a person who has openly proposed creating inside the executive branch of the United States a department of anti-racism tasked with striking down any law in the United States, local, state, or federal, that has a disparate impact on people. Meaning that if a law has a, a different impact on black people than white people, not because it is intended to have a different impact or because it is directed at black people and white people differently, but because people act differently in particular groups, then that, that will be declared racist and this fascist department will have the power to strike it down and simply rewrite the law without being elected, right? I mean, this department of anti-racism is not subject to outside pressures. That is the view of Ibram Kendi, who is an idiot. Okay, but he's a, a very successful idiot. He's made an extraordinary con out of this. I mean, the guy writes for The Atlantic and he has gotten a $10 million donation from moron Jack Dorsey over at Twitter. Here's what he tweeted out. After Jenny Beth Martin of Tea Party USA, uh, or af- of uh, the Tea Party, generally, uh, Jenny Beth Martin tweeted out about Amy Coney Barrett, about her kids. And she pointed out that Amy Coney Barrett has two adopted children from Haiti. Here's what Ibram Kendi tweeted out. And this is just morally benighted. Quote, some white colonizers adopted black children, scare quotes around adopted. They civilized, again, uh, scare quotes, these scare quoted savage children in the quote unquote superior ways of white people while using them as props in their lifelong pictures of denial while cutting the biological parents of these children out of the picture of humanity. Okay, so let's just be clear. The response to Amy Coney Barrett is not a racist. She has two adopted black children is some white racists used to adopt black children and then civilize these quote unquote savage children and then use them as props. So the only reason you say that is because you're implying that maybe that is exactly what Amy Coney Barrett is doing without evidence. That she adopted two kids who needed parents from a greatly impoverished country. And Ibram Kendi's take is, well, she's a white lady who's adopting black kids. That means she's using them as props. And she, then he adds, and whether this is Barrett or not is not the point. It is a belief too many white people have. If they have or adopt a child of color, they can't be racist. I'm challenging the idea that white parents of kids of color are inherently not racist. And the bots completely change what I'm saying to white parents of kids of color are inherently racist. These live and fake bots are good at their propaganda. Let's not argue with them. See, whenever you get owned on Twitter, your typical response on the left is it's Russian bots. It's not Russian bots, it's that you're an idiot and you're a morally benighted idiot at that. If you want to read more deeply about cross-racial adoption, Randall Kennedy, professor at Harvard Law School, has written several books about cross-racial adoption and the immense good that can be done when people adopt people as individuals as opposed to as quote-unquote members of their race. Yeah, it doesn't mean ignoring the racial divisions that exist. It doesn't mean ignoring the racial background of the child you are adopting, but Ibram Kennedy's a, just, just gross, just gross. So more of this, please. If you're on the right, more of this, right? More, the, the reason that Trump put up Amy Coney Barrett is specifically to act as a magnet for this sort of bat bleepery from the left. And so far, it seems to be doing the job. Meanwhile, Joe Biden should be asked questions about Amy Coney Barrett tonight. 
He should be forced to call her a theocrat, which would be interesting because he is a Catholic himself, supposedly. And when I say supposedly, I mean that he's been denied communion by at least one church for his pro-abortion position, his pro-abortion positions. Uh, Biden also should be asked specifically about packing the court. So Biden's entire campaign thus far has been run on the premise that he's never going to have to ask a tough answer, a tough question. And except for the debates, he probably won't. By the way, breaking news, apparently Joe Biden asked for and was refused a half hour break every half hour for the entire debate tonight, which does not speak well to uh, his health, actually. And if if you're asking, like, on the half hour, I mean, this show, this podcast is normally an hour. If I had to get up, like, every single half hour, that would not speak extraordinarily well of, of my health. Apparently, the Trump campaign also wanted the Biden campaign to allow a third party to inspect the ears of the debaters for electronic devices or transmitters. Apparently, Trump consented to the inspection, but Biden had not at that point, uh, as of this point at all. In any case, Biden has been dodging serious questions about court packing, and he will openly say the reason I'm dodging these questions is because I want the focus to remain on Trump. Here was Joe Biden dodging it again over the weekend. We've already not commented on adding seats to the U.S. Supreme Court, but what should be the consequences for Republicans if they force Judge Barrett's nomination through and confirm her? They should see to it that the American public will vote on the Senate races in this election, and they'll vote Republicans out of office. That's the consequence. Okay, so again, the, the fact that he won't answer the question about court packing is pretty telling. Kamala Harris wouldn't either. The reason being, the true answer to this should be pretty easy. Elect Democrats, and then when a vacancy is open, then we will fill it. But instead, they don't want to deny the crazies in their base all of the passion. So instead, they suggest that if you elect them, they will solve all problems. And the way to solve problems is to break the constitutional structure entirely. Here's Kamala Harris deflecting when asked about court packing. If uh, Judge Barrett is confirmed and uh, the Democrats have control of the Senate next year and the White House and the House of Representatives, should the Supreme Court be expanded? Uh, you know, let's I think that first of all, Joe's been very clear that um, he is going to, to pay attention to the fact and I'm with him on this 1000 percent. Pay attention to the fact that right now, Lawrence, people are voting. OK, that that is <laughs> OK. At some point, they're going to have to answer this question. Would you fundamentally break institutions of government? It's amazing that they've been able to escape a follow up on that sort of stuff for at this point, weeks, weeks, maybe months. And by the way, if, if these are the geniuses who are going to run our government, they're going to fix everything. It would, it would behoove people like Kamala Harris not to screw up the, uh, the distinction between notorious RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and the notorious B.I.G., you know, the, uh, the rapper. Even I knew that one, Kamala. She was part of our culture. Yes, we wear those notorious B.I.G. T-shirts with a lot of pride. Those are notorious B.I.G. T-shirts. I don't think they say the same thing as the notorious R.B.G. T-shirts. Just, just going to put that out there. Okay, in just a second, we'll get to the other topic that will come up at tonight's debate, I am sure, at length, and that is President Trump's taxes and the New York Times dropping a supposed bombshell that really is not a bombshell on Trump. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that this election is pretty darned important. It really is. And as we will discuss in just a few moments, Democrats are using every avenue at their disposal in order to get out the vote. That includes ballot harvesting. It includes pretty much everything you can imagine. It includes Khloe Kardashian putting out sort of thirst traps for people to register to vote as long as you're a Democrat. We'll get to that in, in a little bit. But because this is an important election, it actually is kind of important that you get involved. 
And that, that's a question I get all the time. I listen to the show. I'm really involved. Like, I, I, I love this stuff. I'm interested in this stuff. I understand the fate of the country is at stake. What do I do? The answer is you need to go to keepamericaamerica.com right now. Voting has already started in some states. It's about to start with others. If you live in Ohio, early in-person voting begins 28 days before the election. In Arizona, it's 27 days before the election. Go to keepamericaamerica.com right now. They'll get you the most trusted, up-to-date voting information. While you're there, please commit to take one person to the polls. That's just one. Or help them complete a mail-in ballot. The 2016 election was decided by thousands of votes, not millions. And 300,000 of you across the country have already gone to keepamericaamerica.com. I personally would love to see that number reach a million. I know they would too. Do a little, do a lot. Go to keepamericaamerica.com right now. Again, that's keepamericaamerica.com. Go check them out right now and get involved. Keepamericaamerica.com. Okay, we'll get to Trump's taxes and the bombshell that really isn't. In just one second. But first, in case you missed it, we had another great episode of the Sunday special this last weekend. Former Trump administration press secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders joined me to discuss her time working for the president, her best and worst days as press secretary, which reporters are the worst off camera. I think you might know the answer. And the real questions we need more teleprompter Trump. Go watch over at dailywire.com. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Also, tonight, it's fight night. Are you ready to watch Chewbacca? <laughs> Versus the Swedish chef. Are you ready? Tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, Donald Trump and Joe Biden face off in the first of three presidential debates this election season. Will Joe Biden physically fall asleep? Will Donald Trump wear a mask of Hillary's face? Join us for an all new episode of Daily Wire Backstage to watch the debate with us, get our immediate live reaction to this major political event, and even better, join Daily Wire right now as an insider or all access member. Get 20% with code DEBATE, 20% off. You can watch all the debate coverage live on our Apple TV or Roku app. Our coverage will start 15 minutes before the debate at 8.45 p.m. Eastern, 5.45 p.m. Pacific. Join us then. Also, our members get our articles ad-free, access to all of our live broadcasts and show library, the full three hours of the Ben Shapiro Show, exclusive Reader's Pass content available only to Daily Wire members. If you're considering an all-access membership, you get to join us on All Access Live every night for online and live stream discussions. You also get not one, but two leftist tiers Tumblr with your membership, as well as early, sometimes exclusive access to new Daily Wire products. So watch the debate with us tonight on dailywire.com, YouTube, Facebook. Suffer with us through this debate. Get 20% off your Daily Wire membership with code debate when you sign up today. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. All righty. So the other big topic that I'm sure will come up tonight is obviously this New York Times report on President Trump's taxes. So first things first, if somebody actually leaked proprietary information on Trump's tra- taxes from like the IRS to the uh, to, to the New York Times, that's illegal. Uh, that, that should be somewhat disturbing to all of us. Now, I've been a proponent for a long time that Trump should have released his tax returns in 2016. And then certainly after he was president, he should have just released his tax returns. Like what the hell was the downside of just releasing the tax returns? I'm also not of the opinion that this is gonna be an entirely damage-free scenario for Trump. Because what they report is that Trump in the last couple of years has paid like a combined 1500 bucks in federal taxes. And the natural reaction of people is not a logical one, namely that our system itself is screwed up, that our deduction system is really messed up in this country, that we should basically just have a flat tax in this country and we should get rid of all of the deductions entirely. Instead of that, people react with, well, he's a rich guy. Why isn't he paying lots of taxes? Okay, the answer is that over the years, he has, I'm sure, paid many, many, many taxes. Also, it is true that he has not done anything illegal. So normally in a situation like this, you'd have to ask yourself, okay, so what did Trump do wrong? So there are a few accusations as to what Trump could have done wrong here. One, he did something illegal on his taxes, like tax fraud. Presumably the IRS would be all over that. Two, 
he could have obtained some sort of nefarious financial aid from some nefarious foreign players. There's no evidence of that. Or three, you somehow think that just because you're rich, you should be giving more money to the government than you're actually legally obligated to do, which is idiotic. And even Joe Biden doesn't do that. As it turns out, Joe Biden has been spending years dodging the payroll tax. I mean, in August, the Wall Street Journal reported that the the Bidens dodged the payroll tax. They used an S-corp to avoid paying more than half a million dollars in levies for Medicare and Obamacare as well. Apparently, both he and Jill went out of their way to avoid funding seniors' entitlement benefits. According to their tax returns in 2017 and 2018, the Bidens and his wife, Jill, avoided payroll taxes on nearly $13.3 million in income from book royalties and speaking fees. They did so by classifying the income as S-corp profits rather than taxable wages. The Bidens did pay themselves salaries from their corporations of nearly $750,000 between them over two years. They paid full taxes on that income, but they circumvented the payroll tax on the nearly 95% of that income that remained. A tax expert interviewed by the Journal in 2019 called the Biden scheme pretty aggressive. Another told the paper it served solely to avoid the payroll taxes. Of the taxes the Bidens avoided, 2.9% of their income, about $385,000 would have funded Medicare. The other 0.9%, nearly $120,000, was part of Obamacare and fund that law. So here's the rule. Did they do anything illegal? No. Did Trump do anything illegal? No. If you don't like the tax code, good idea. You can restructure it. Also, if you're complaining about the fact that, that President Trump didn't pay enough tax, you should also point out that Trump lowered taxes for everyone, specifically more so on the bottom end of the scale. Okay, in sheer absolute numbers, whenever there's a tax cut, people at the top make the most money because people at the top had the most money to make. But in terms of the disproportionate benefit of the taxes, it really hit people lower down on the on the income scale more than it hit people higher up on the income scale. If you're not just talking like sheer absolute numbers, if you're talking about percentage decreases or if you are talking about the benefits that are received under the tax bill, People like me living in California, I actually got shellacked by the Trump tax cuts because it got rid of the state and local tax deductions. So that meant that I had to pay both my state and federal taxes one on top of the other, as opposed to taking the state taxes in California and taking them against the federal taxes. In any case, what exactly is the bombshell here? So the New York Times reports that Donald Trump paid $750 total, $750, in federal income taxes the year he won the presidency. In his first year in the White House, he paid another $750, period. Not $750,000, $750. Like the cost of, you know, a couple of car payments. He paid no income taxes at all in 10 of the previous 15 years, largely because he reported losing much more money than he made. According to the New York Times, as the president wages a re-election campaign that polls say he is in danger of losing, his finances are under stress, beset by losses and hundreds of millions of dollars in debt coming due that he has personally guaranteed. Also hanging over him is a decade-long audit battle with the IRS over the legitimacy of a $72.9 million tax refund he claimed and received after declaring huge losses, an adverse ruling could cost him more than $100 million. The tax returns that Trump has long fought to keep private tell a story fundamentally different from the one he has sold to the American public. His reports to the IRS portray a businessman who takes in hundreds of millions of dollars a year, yet racks up chronic losses that he aggressively employs to avoid paying taxes. Now with financial challenges mounting, the records show he depends more and more on making money from businesses that put him in potential and often direct conflict of interest with his job as president. So somehow the New York Times obtained tax return data extending more than two decades for Trump and the hundreds of companies that make up his business. Again, this is probably a legal violation in some way. Trump, for his part, called them fake news. He said, I have paid taxes. He said, I've litigated this before. You can't simultaneously say that they are fake news and also that you have and, and also that you're smart for avoiding taxes, which is something that he has said in the past. The New York Times, Dean Baquette, put out a full note talking about why they put this out. And the answer is because they hate Donald Trump. 
And they say, we're not making the records themselves public because we do not want to jeopardize our sources who have taken enormous personal risks to help inform the public. We are publishing this report because we believe citizens should understand as much as possible about their leaders and representatives, their priorities, their experiences, and also their finances. So in other words, we are it's not a violation of law for The New York Times to do this. Just a note, The New York Times was a, a lot more divided in nature about publishing the WikiLeaks stuff, which again, I think there's a case to be made we shouldn't have published the WikiLeaks stuff. Than they, than they have been about publishing Trump's taxes. The, the basic idea here is threefold from Democrats. One, Trump is not the successful businessman he says he is, which, I mean, okay, sure. Also, whatever you think about how Trump has handled his businesses, he has not used public office in order to enrich himself. Joe Biden was worth no money, then he was vice president, now he's worth tens of millions of dollars. Barack Obama had the same deal. Like his net worth when he, when he entered office was like a million bucks or something. And now Barack Obama is probably worth nine figures, probably worth $100 million now. It turns out that people who make money after being in public office pose significantly more of a threat to the institutional architecture of the republic than people who had a lot of money going in. I've always been bewildered by the idea that if you were rich before you went in, somehow this is a demerit. It seems like that should actually be a merit. But it is true that part of Trump's pitch for a long time has been that he is world-breaking business genius. And I've doubted that story for a very long time. I've always said I'm not even sure that he's worth a billion dollars. That doesn't mean that he's poor. But it does mean that he is not the great businessman he said he was. Okay, that's a hit, but it's not much of one. The other hit is supposedly that Trump is dodging taxes. Okay, and again, there's no evidence of this. The New York Times itself says there's no evidence either that Trump has dodged taxes or has violated the law or that he is in hock to the Ruskies. And yet those are all narratives the Democrats are trying to throw out there today. So first of all, as far as paying no taxes, that actually is not breaking news. All the way back in 2016, Hillary Clinton suggested that Trump paid no taxes. And Trump said, in open debate, right, I didn't pay taxes because I'm smart and not stupid. Maybe he doesn't want the American people, all of you watching tonight, to know that he's paid nothing in federal taxes. Because the only years that anybody's ever seen were a couple of years when he had to turn them over to state authorities when he was trying to get a casino license. And they showed he didn't pay any federal income tax. So that makes if me he's smart. paid zero. Okay, so he said that makes me far smarter, right? He, he comes back, he said that made me far smarter than anybody else. Okay, again, it's not like this is a big secret. Everybody has sort of speculated about this for a very long time. And the New York Times shows no evidence of illegality. That doesn't stop Carl Bernstein. Worse than Watergate, Carl Bernstein. Carl Bernstein has spent his entire career just saying worse than Watergate ever since Watergate. So this is worse than Watergate too. Ukraine was worse than Watergate. Trump talking about the election was worse than Watergate. Everything is worse than Watergate for Carl Bernstein. This is really the smoking gun of a pervasively criminal presidency. Uh, we have a president of the United States who is a grifter. His family are grifters. And this is the definitive evidence of it. This once again points to the president's foreign entanglements for his own political purposes and his own financial good. There are certainly implications of tax fraud to, be, to begin with uh, that needs to be looked at and, and will be looked at. Remember that one time he reported a story and it was like 15 years before I was born and we're going to pretend like he's still a relevant figure, Carl Bernstein? Okay, so that, that story's dumb. The idea that he did anything illegal, if he did, we have an entire wing of the federal government that is designed to go after people who violate tax law. Okay, the second attack is that he is in hock to the Ruskies. There's no evidence he's in hot to the Ruskies. In fact, it says directly in many of the documents, I think it's page 35 of his disclosures, federal disclosures, who he owes money to. That didn't stop Kamala Harris from doing the, who do you owe money to, President Trump? Here was Kamala Harris. 
Who does he owe the money to? Tell us. Who do you owe the money to? And um, do you owe debt to any foreign nation? Do you owe, who, you know, do you owe debt? Do you owe money? Let's just be clear about what debt means. You owe somebody money. Do you owe anybody money who is impacted by any decision you make as president of the United States? We need to know that. Okay, again, there's no evidence that he is being in any way twisted around by foreign adversaries. Remember, they, they tried the, they, they've been trying this crap since 2016, and they're not going to stop. Right? Nancy Pelosi then suggested that, that Trump's debt is a national security question. What does Putin have on him? What, what is, uh, they never changed the tune. I mean, guys, stick and move a little bit. I mean, Nancy Pelosi, the adult Nancy Pelosi, continuing to suggest that this is all about what Putin does. All roads lead to Putin is Nancy Pelosi's routine. It's just, it's absurd. This is absurd. You guys are making mockeries of yourself. This president appears to have over $400 million in debt, $420, whatever it is, million dollars in debt. To whom? Different countries? What is the leverage they have? So for me, this is a national security question. The question is, what does Putin have on the president politically, personally, financially, in every way that the president would try to undermine our commitment to NATO? Okay, this is just, I'm, I'm sorry, this is so tiring. This kind of crap is so tiring. And then MSNBC has on the greatest of all political analysts, a person who once played a politician on TV. In a, we're now beyond the point of parody. I mean, do you remember there was a commercial back in the 1970s in which a guy who played a doctor on General Hospital led off the commercial by saying, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. Okay, well, now you got Jeff Daniels, who was not, in fact, a newsman, but played one on TV. Now he's talking about his theories about Trump's taxes. Because we need to hear from Jeff Daniels. Okay, here's Jeff Daniels on that great news network, MSNBC. What are they talking about in Helsinki? What were, you know, all the stuff. I mean, there's, there's all of that. The tax returns that he won't show us. It's so obvious. And where is he getting the money? Where did he get all the money? And, and I mean, all roads, as, as, as Speaker Pelosi said, all roads lead to Putin. And... Uh, you know, time's running out. This is a bad movie we're living through. That's what this is. It's a, it he, he should, life and death. It's he he should movie. know bad movies. I mean, honest to God, he really should. But that—that th that is that is very solid stuff right there from Jeff Daniels. Definitely needed to hear from uh, from that guy, from the Dumb and Dumber guy. I need to hear from him right now. Get him on the line. Stat. We need to hear from Jeff Daniels right now. Stat on Trump's taxes. Okay, okay. The final angle, of course, is that Trump is poorer than he said he is. And that's really bad. Again, do I think it looks good for Trump to pay 750 bucks in taxes over the last couple of years? No, I, I don't. But would it matter? They went after Mitt Romney and said that Mitt Romney didn't pay his taxes. He paid 14% effective tax rate. Harry Reid just lied about it. Is any of this going to make a serious dent for Trump? Probably not. Is it going to come up tonight? Probably. But again, do, do I think it's that the media are going agog over this thing? And I'm just like, why? You don't have enough material against Trump. You got to go to this? Seriously? Okay, meanwhile, in other news, uh, President Trump has been saying for a while here that he is deeply concerned about voter fraud and about the possibility of voter fraud. Well, now Project Veritas has released some videos alleging widespread voter fraud in Minneapolis. They are blaming Representative Ilhan Omar. They're suggesting that she is to blame for some of this. Uh, they apparently got a hold of a person who was involved in Ilhan Omar's get out the vote effort. And the suggestion is that they have basically been paying people for their votes. According to TwinCities.com, the Pioneer Press, a report by the nonprofit, a report by the nonprofit suggests that the mishandling of absentee ballots in, in Minneapolis's Somali community is, is now making news. And it, and it should. 
Here's a little bit of the video from Project Veritas. Again, this is being now checked into, apparently, by the state authorities in Minnesota. So we will see how much there is to it, although it's run by Keith Ellison. So I have my suspicions as to what the findings will be. In any case, here is uh, the Project Veritas video. It says, all these here are absent without the person speaking Somali. Can't you see? Look at these. My car is full. My car is full. All of these are for Jamal Osman. Look, look. Just today we got 300 ballots for Jamal Osman. A source said they bring them, they line them, they put the open ballots in there. And they take them and say here, and the people mark. How is that working? They've perfected this system. Miranda Devine reports for the New York Post, a ballot harvesting racket in Democratic Representative Ilhan Omar's Minneapolis district, where paid workers illegally gather absentee ballots from elderly Somali immigrants, appears to have been busted by Project Veritas. One alleged ballot harvester, Liban Mohammed, the brother of Minneapolis City Council member Jamal Osman, is shown in a bombshell Snapchat video rifling through piles of ballots strewn across his dashboard. Just today, we got 300 for Jamal Osman, says Mohammed. I have 300 ballots in my car right now. Numbers don't lie. You can see my car is full. All these here are absentee ballots. Look, all these are for Jamal Osman, he says, displaying the white envelopes. Money is the king in this world, and a campaign is driven by money. The video was posted July 1st and was obtained by Project Veritas and included in a 17-minute video expose released on Sunday night. Under Minnesota law, no individual can be the designated agent for more than three absentee voters. So being the designated agent for 300 absentee voters is a problem. The allegations come just five weeks before a presidential election plagued with predictions of voter fraud. Both Trump and Attorney General Bill Barr have warned that the increased use of mail-in ballots due to COVID-19 concerns about in-person voting is vulnerable to fraud. According to James O'Keefe, our investigation into this ballot harvesting ring demonstrates clearly how these unscrupulous operators exploit the elderly and immigrant communities. The alleged involvement of Omar is claimed on camera by two people in the Veritas investigation, including the whistleblower Omar Jamal, a Minneapolis community leader and chair of the city's Somali watchdog group. He claims Mohammed is one of Omar's many people. He says in open secret, she'll do anything she can to get elected. She has hundreds of people on the street doing that. Meanwhile, there's another serious ballot issue in New York. Apparently, ballots have been arriving, receiving mail-in ballots marked incorrectly. Again, according to the New York Post, voters in New York City have received mail-in ballots for the 2020 presidential election marked for military use, despite never having served in the armed forces, causing confusion and concerns over whether the ballots can or should be used. The misprint makes it appear that the ballots received an official military absentee ballot instead of a military slash absentee ballot, leaving several borough residents who received the documents, including two Post journalists, worried the votes might not be properly tallied, so a bunch of people could vote, and then the votes could be not counted. All of this is mass confusion. It is a serious problem. In fact, as I've said before, there are two real dangers when it comes to the massive mail-in voting that people are pursuing right now. Danger number one is that people fill out the, the votes wrong. I mean, it's actually a little more complicated to fill in a mail-in ballot than it is to just go to the polling place and do it that way. Problem number two is ballot harvesting. If you have somebody who is going around to only Democratic households or to unaffiliated households and telling them how to vote, that gets really dangerous really quickly. You should have to go out to a polling place and you should have to vote unless you have some sort of medical condition preventing you from doing so. And the prevalence of COVID is not enough of a reason unless you are elderly and specifically vulnerable. If you're a 30-year-old, you should be going to vote in person. There have not been outbreaks at voting places and we have had several open votes since the beginning of the COVID outbreak. To proclaim that voter fraud is a serious problem and that we should be concerned about it in a close election, that's not crazy. That is something that, that is worthy of, of viewing. In other sort of voting-related news, there's now, a, there's now a story that is being put out there by Channel 4 in the UK investigating the Trump campaign strategy, and I think it is worthy of note. 
Okay, the, the Trump campaign strategy in 2016 was designed to deter particular groups from voting. Now, this is not unusual. Every campaign has targeted voters and then voters that they wish to not see show up at the polls. Right, so for Democrats, they don't wish to see religious Americans show up to the polls in very big numbers because if religious Americans show up in really big numbers or non-college educated white people show up in really big numbers, that's very bad for the Democrats. For Republicans, you look at various communities and then you say, okay, which communities are most likely to vote for us and which communities are least likely to vote for us? The media today are playing up the fact that in 2016, the Trump campaign using data analytics saw that certain groups were likely not to vote for them and certain groups were likely to vote for them and that they were going to try and quote unquote depress the vote. That doesn't mean that they were going to lock people in their homes or that they're going to screw with the ballot or anything like that. It means they're going to target ads at people making them not really want to vote. That's just called politics. Okay, and it's not specifically racially based. If black Americans voted for Republicans at a very high rate, Republicans would be eager to have many of those people vote. Democrats are very eager to have lots of black Americans vote for a very good reason. They want a lot of black Americans to vote for Democrats. Do you think that Democrats are very eager to have lots of white non-college educated voters vote? Do you think that they're going door to door in very religious Catholic communities and telling them they need to get out to vote today? Probably not. So the media have tried to play this again as the Trump is racist thing, as opposed to campaigns target their most likely voters and they try to get them out. And then they try to make it that people who are not going to vote for them stay home. That is not like a giant shock. And the fact that people are treating it as a giant shock is because they don't know the first thing about politics and or because they are being deliberately dishonest. Okay, so we're going to be back here a little bit later today. We're going to have two additional hours of content. We have a great radio show coming up for you today. Senator Cruz is going to be on it. We're going to have Megan Kelly on it. She's launching a new podcast. A lot coming up. Plus, we're going to we're going to talk debate as the day progresses. So stick around for that. Also tonight, make sure that you tune in to Daily Wire backstage because we are going to be watching this thing live, this monstrosity live. I hope you enjoy it more than I undoubtedly will. But we'll be there together. We'll soldier through it together. Go become a member over at Daily Wire. And remember to use that promo code debate for 20% off. Otherwise, we'll see you here tomorrow for all of the recap. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant director, Pava Wydowski. Our associate producer is Nick Sheehan. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey, everybody, it's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. You know, some people are depressed because the American Republic is collapsing, the end of days is approaching, and the moon has turned to blood. But on The Andrew Claven Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to The Andrew Claven Show and laugh your way through the apocalypse with me, Andrew Claven. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. PureTalk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So... 
I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.